Welcome to the Sunday Message Podcast of Bethany Church in Fresno, California. We hope this message will encourage and equip you as you grow in the grace and knowledge of Jesus Christ. If today's message helps you, share it with a friend. If you would like to know more about the ministry of Bethany Church, please reach out on Facebook or at BethanyChurchFresno.com. And now, here's this week's message. Hey, if you guys have your Bibles, if you would, go ahead and turn with me to Ephesians chapter 4. We're going to continue our teaching series through the book of Ephesians. There are three words that have been guiding our teaching series in this. Oh, by the way, speaking of, um, there's a baptistry right over here. And, and I wanted you to know that we have got a couple of planned and scheduled baptisms for today. But as you're feeling led, if you've not yet been obedient through baptism and the Lord's laying on your heart to be baptized, um, we're prepared for that as well. And so at the end of the service, we're going to celebrate at least two, um, but maybe more. And so what we want you to know, we've got t-shirts in all sizes um, and, and uh, all shapes and sizes, shorts, towels, the whole thing. And so we are looking forward to wrapping up our worship series uh, service today uh, with baptisms. And baptism is an outward expression of an inward decision to follow Jesus Christ. And it's a pretty cool thing uh, that we get to be a part of. Amen, church? Yeah. So if that's something the Lord's laying on your heart, we want you to be a part of that today. There are three words that summarize, we believe, and these are my words. These are a pastor from China. His name was Watchman Nee. And he said, there are these three words that are really helpful. It's called sit, walk, and stand. And the first three chapters of Ephesians talk about this idea of what it means to sit, and that is that we are seated in Christ Jesus. And being seated in Christ Jesus is going to be our identity. And then in the next two chapters, we then have in chapters um, four and five, which is going to be the next slide here, is going to be walking in our faith. And that is going to be that we are walking in Christ Jesus. And then the third is going to be this idea of standing in Christ Jesus. And that is going to be the victory that we have in the Lord. And we know there's challenges in this world. We know that there, we've talked about the, the challenges of addiction. We know that the enemy is real and we know that he wants to come to kill, steal and destroy. But as we're living this out, we have hope in Christ, in Christ alone. And he is greater than anything that we'll face here on earth. Amen, church. And so today's message is simply called this. It's called walking authentically. And our text is going to be in Ephesians chapter four, verses 31 uh, to chapter five, verse two. Let me read this for you. Here we go. Get rid of bitterness, rage and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. Show of hands. How many of you are thankful that God forgave you? Let me see your hands. Okay, good. All right, next verse. This, follow God's example. Therefore, as dearly loved children and walk in the way of love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself for us as a fragrant offering and a sacrifice to God. Would you just join me in prayer? So Lord God, right now we pause. We say thank you for your word. Your word is living and active. It's sharper than any double-edged sword. Would it penetrate our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus? And would we leave here changed because of your word? We know that this world changes, but you never do. So as we're reading God's word, your word, God, would you read us? And would we leave here changed because of it? It's in Christ's name we pray. All God's children said what? Amen? Amen. Hey, I, uh, my first job in college uh, was at a bank. I worked as a teller uh, at Wells Fargo Bank. And they taught me two things uh, as being a teller. One of them was to make sure that I was nice and had good people skills, right? And a part of that was smiling. And, and the second thing they taught me was how to spot a counterfeit. 
And so uh, I'll never forget. So I'm going to get a $100 bill. I had to like go into the archives of, of, our, of our savings account for this $100 bill. They still print them, by the way. And they taught us in training how to spot a counterfeit. You can spot it not only with the way it feels, the way it looks, but even sometimes even just some of the coding and things like that. Have you noticed now though with the new the, the new currency it looks all like monopoly fake money anyway, right? But I I'll never forget there was a time and there was this 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 uh this this local Christian charity that that uh, had a big sale and and they brought in they brought in some currency and I felt terrible because I noticed that some of the currency was obviously fake. Like fake, it was like completely fake, and and I'm I'm again I'm not like a criminologist, but I'm like this is like borderline fake, like and so I called my I called my my manager over and I said hey this isn't looking real you know the whole thing you put the pin on there it didn't turn the right color felt terrible because what we had to do is we had to confiscate the money I don't know if you ever know what they do with counterfeit money but they they take it and they go and they they burn it. They, they burn counterfeit money, which is actually, um, which is, which is great because we ultimately don't want to have a bunch of counterfeit money out there, do we, everyone? Um, and, and I started thinking about that. It's really sad because this, this, this charity, this organization had done some good things with this money and good things could have continued to happen, but the problem was it was a fake. And, and my reason for bringing that up is, is that, that I believe that today's text talks about the fact that there are going to be some counterfeit Christians. That on the outside, they're going to look real. They're going to, they're going to sound real. But, but it, when it comes right down to it, there's things that just don't add up. And you might be thinking to yourself, uh, Brent, um, like, that sounds really harsh. Like, where's all of that coming from? Um, well, where it comes from in Matthew chapter 7, verses 21 to 23, Jesus says these words when he says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? Did we not drive out demons in your name? Did we not perform miracles in your name? And then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evil doer. So what's my point? I'm, my point is, is that Jesus, and this doesn't sound like a very Jesus loves me, this I know for the Bible tells me so kind of a thing. Jesus is saying that there will be some people who will present themselves to be something that they're not. And they're, they're going to cause disunity in the church. And so this is going to be a hard message, but it is a message nonetheless that is in Scripture. Remember me telling you a couple weeks ago that I wanted to kind of skip over all this? And then the Holy Spirit prodded my heart and said, no, you need to slow walk this. Well, this is one of those reasons why right here. You see, I'm going to talk about some things that Paul talks about that were in the church 2,000 years ago. And unfortunately, they're in the church today. If you're taking notes, if you would, write down number one. And that is that there is bitterness in the church today. Bitterness in the church today is this long-standing hostility because of a hurt that's happened in our life. You know, I don't really know what it is, but I have a feeling there's probably somebody in your life that at one time has hurt you. And, and maybe just maybe you're holding a grudge against that person. Maybe it's a coworker. Maybe it's a spouse, an ex-spouse, an employer that did you wrong, a business partner, a neighbor that is very not neighborly. But there's something in your life where there has been this bitterness that has gone into your life and your heart because of somebody has done something to hurt you and you're holding a grudge. And what scripture says is that we need to be careful about that. Hebrew writer writes these words when he says, see that, that no one falls short of the grace of God and that there be no bitter root that grows up to cause trouble and that might defile many. 
You know, I think about being rooted. I think about what the roots go into will ultimately produce fruit. And a bitter root is going to produce what kind of fruit, everyone? Bitter fruit. And there are unfortunately bitter Christians in the church today. And sadly, I've met some of them. And that characteristic is not a characteristic of authenticity, but rather it is a counterfeit form of Christianity. And so today, possibly before we go on to the next one, this might be the reason why you're here today is that you've allowed there to become a bitterness in your heart towards somebody maybe sitting next to you, maybe in this room, maybe in a previous room that you were in earlier this week or where you're going to go home to. But I want to say, not so with us, church. Would we not allow bitterness to come into our hearts because it is counterfeit Christianity. Number two on your notes is that when bitterness is not dealt with, what it'll then do is it'll turn into rage. And rage is that uncontrollable temper. And a temper, uh, you guys have all heard of a temper tantrum before, right everyone? And a temper tantrum, I suppose, is kind of cute when it's a little baby and they don't, they're not getting what they want and they kind of go, wah, 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 right? It's kind of cute because they're a baby. But there's nothing cute about adults having temper tantrums. Do you guys agree with me on that? But we've all had a very immature boss. We've all had people in our life. And, you know, when you think about rage, you're like, well, like, what does that mean? You know, uh, uh, what it means is that there's been something that has not been dealt with. We've talked about the addiction of, of maybe alcohol today. But did you also know that you can be addicted to anger, everyone? There are rageaholics in this world and sadly, sometimes even in the church. And the Apostle Paul is saying, not so with you. Number three, if you would write this down, anger. And anger is just really suppressed rage. It is that low lining below the surface. It's there, you know it, and you don't always act on it. We live in an angry culture. You don't need me to tell you that, but we see anger all over the place. And at times you feel like you're walking into situations and circumstances. It's like a powder keg just ready to go off. You turn on the evening news and you see looting. You see all kinds of violence happening in the streets of our country. And I just need you to know that that, that is anger that's being manifest. And in our lives, I need to know that we've been given the ability to have the emotion of anger But what we choose to do with it is so important. We know that Jesus modeled a healthy, righteous anger. Do you remember that? He never sinned. We know that he had that emotion. But we, as sinful people that we talked about last week, we got to struggle with this. How can we rein in the anger in our life? I know that in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 26, it clearly says, in your anger, do not sin. So we know there's this emotion of anger, but what we choose to do with it is going to be mission critical. But the next one is the one that I want to camp out on a little bit longer. And this is a sinister one that I believe can creep into our church, Bethany. And it is this idea of brawling. If you would write this down. Some of you are like, brawling? What are you talking about? I've never punched anybody in my entire life. I'm a good pacifist, right? Well, I need you to know something that brawling has nothing to do with WWE wrestling. It has nothing to do with getting in a street fight. Brawling has to do with an antagonist who picks verbal fights. Have you ever met somebody that they feel like they always need to be right? Have you ever felt that you've ever known somebody that they always needed to have the last word? Have you ever known somebody they feel the need just to stir it up all the time? 
That's what an antagonist does. And if you've ever watched professional wrestling, which is entertainment, by the way, I hate to break it for some of you. No, it's real. No, it's not. Um, um, they always have an antagonist. The one who comes out and is talking smack about this person and talking smack about that person. I need you to know that, that brawling is one of those low-grade anger forms that we need to be aware of. It's the person that's always picking on the other person and they feel a sense of righteousness because they feel like they're right and the other person is wrong. And I need you to know at the very heart of a brawler is pride. And a prideful brawler will cause disunity in the church. Can I hear an amen to that? So we need to make sure that we're not allowing false humility into the church of a brawler, a person who is antagonizing and picking verbal fights over their favorite pet issue of the week. Because trust me, there'll be another one next week. Here's the one that I don't want to talk about. Unfortunately, we have to talk about it. And it's slander. If you are taking notes, slander. What is slander? Slander is just speaking evil to or about another person. Friends, we hear slander so much in our culture, it's not even funny. It's just sad. Slander technically is a crime. Did you know that? That you could actually sue somebody for slander, but could you actually ever prove it? But a counterfeit Christian slanders others all the time, always talking about another person, saying hurtful things to another person. And I need you to know something, that there are going to be people in your life that will hurt you. I have had people in my life who have hurt me. And I need you to know that it is a challenge for me to be preaching this message today because I don't want to live some of this stuff out. I got to look in the mirror. I got to say, am I guilty of slander? You know, there's a poster in my wife's office at Fresno Christian, um, and, uh, and I found it to be something that, that is helpful. And here it is right here. When she's dealing with high schoolers and junior hires at Fresno Christian, she says, we need to think before we speak. T-H-I-N-K. Is it true? Is it helpful? Is it inspiring? Is it necessary? And is it kind? And I begin to think to myself, if we could begin to think that way as followers of Christ, it would make a huge difference in our lives, in our conversations. Amen, church? I grew up in a home where my mama would say, if you can't say something nice, don't talk at all. What is my advice? And we need to remember that our words come with weight and our words are either going to be giving life or they're going to be speaking death. They're either going to be building up or they're going to be tearing down. And I'm just wanting all of us to know that we have to be careful with our words and we absolutely must not be causing any slanderous words to come out of our mouth. Amen, church. And then the last one here that I want to share with you is malice. It's the desire to hurt somebody by causing pain. Now, a lot of times we think malice is like we just want another person to feel the way they've made us felt. Be honest. How many of you have ever wanted someone to feel the way they made you feel? Just be honest. That's a lot. <laughs> Some of your hands are like two hands right here, right? That's where I am today. See, guys, I need you to know that a lot of times these desires of malice, they come into our hearts and our minds because of unresolved anger. Because we haven't had a place like 21 Pathways where we can deal with the hurts and the habits of people in our life. See, some of you are thinking to yourself, well, you know what? You're talking about malice and, you know, desire to like make somebody hurt the way I hurt. Well, I need you to know I've never hurt a person in my life. 
I, I, I would have never actually ever physically do that. But I need you to know that, unfortunately, the bar is even higher than that. Jesus, in his kingdom teaching, says in Matthew chapter 5, verse 22, you've heard that our ancestors were told that you must not murder. If you commit murder, you're subject to judgment. But I say to you, if you even are angry with someone, you are subject to judgment. So what is what do we have here? What we have here is we have a bar that's being raised where there's these unresolved issues in our life. And if we don't deal with them, they're going to deal with us. And so it's just not that, I, hey, I'm so proud of myself. I didn't punch that person today. But what was in our hearts and what was in our mind? And one of the verses that I heard uh, one of my brothers up here say was this next one right here. And this is the good news of this morning, that we don't have to be counterfeits, everybody. We don't have to be stuck in our sin. But Second Corinthians says this. Let's read it out loud, church. Here we go. Anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone. And a new life has begun. And that means that we don't have to be a slave to sin. It means that we don't have to, we don't have to just continue to be a counterfeit. It means that we don't have to continue to deal with bitterness and rage and envy and slander and being a brawler. But that there's new hope and there's new life. And, and what we're talking about now is we're moving away from being people of disunity to being people of unity. So if you're taking notes, turn your notes to the other side and I want to share Three things with you quickly. Number one is going to be kindness. And this is what it talks about in Scripture to be the kind of person that is the aroma of Christ as a person who is kind. And the reason why we're kind is because our God was so kind to us. Amen, church. Scripture says that it is the kindness of our Lord that leads us to repentance. That's what it says in Romans chapter 2. Verse 4. You know, when I think about being kind, I'm reminded of Blockbuster Video. Do you guys ever go to Blockbuster Video? Remember that little sticker on Blockbuster Video? What did it say? Be kind. What? Rewind. Right, yeah. I mean, all of your younger, like, like you're so old, right? <laughs> but there is this, there is this, sometimes we think that kindness is wimpiness or kindness is, is you know, it, it's not really, so, it's just being polite. That it, you know, that kindness is just being a nice person. And, and, and I suppose that's true. But kindness isn't what we do. Because of Christ, kindness is who we are. So we cannot fake kindness. Kindness is either going to come naturally out of us or unnaturally out of us. And that comes back to this. And this is going to be hard. Are you the real deal or are you a counterfeit? Because if you're saying to yourself, Brent, I'm just not a kind person, then I need to say today is a day of salvation. Today is a day of a new beginning in your heart. The old is gone and the new has come. Amen? All right. Number two. This one's hard because you cannot fake this one. It's compassion. Would you write that down? Compassion. Compassion is a willingness to feel another person's pain. The Apostle Paul was talking about these are the things of a counterfeit Christian. But if you want to be an authentic Christian, you want to be the kind of person who is really who you say you are when no one's looking, then you're going to be a person who is compassionate. A willingness to feel another person's pain. Maybe some of your translations said tenderhearted. You know, the flip side of tenderhearted is having a hard heart. 
And when I begin to think about people who just don't care about the things of God are the ones who've allowed, maybe because of sin, unconfessed sin, brokenness, addiction, whatever, for their hearts to become hard towards the things of God. And I need you to know that the only way that we're going to become compassionate people is if we allow the grace of God to invade our hearts, church. It's only going to come by the grace of God. When I think about Jesus, he was the perfect specimen of compassion. Do you believe that, church? Do you believe that? I do, because you would look at him and he was all-knowing. I remember this one time. It was an interesting story where, where um, a friend, Lazarus, passed away and, and Lazarus was related to, to, to Mary and Martha. And, and Jesus knew that he was going to be raising Lazarus from the dead. But he had compassion for his friends because he saw them crying. And I just think to myself, wow. He, he allowed himself, because he was fully God and fully man, to enter into the story of what that person was going through. And I think in our life sometimes, we get so busy, we get so caught up, we get so sideways, that we forget to enter into the story of people's hurt. And I just want to say a part of what it means to be an authentic follower of Jesus is the willingness to slow down and to really begin to say, see, I think there's a difference between sympathy and compassion. Sympathy is like, gosh, I feel sorry for you. But compassion is a willingness to walk in that person's shoes. So are we a compassionate person? I need you to know that that is one of the things that men, we sometimes struggle with. We sometimes think compassion means weakness. I want to remind you the most manly man in Scripture is Jesus Christ. And it said that he looked at the city that he loved and he wept. And it is okay. It is okay to weep over something other than the 49ers maybe losing today, Michael. I need you to know that, right? I need, oh, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I had to. I'm so sorry. I know. I know. I'm so sorry. Okay, next one is forgiveness. If you would write that down. That was very intentional right there. You got to forgive. It's in the Bible. In the Bible, it's right there. And it is the choice not to seek revenge. And it is a command. It is one of those things that sometimes we think forgiveness means that I'm just going to forget it. And this is the one thing that I'm living out right now. I need you to know that to forgive something or someone does not mean you're going to forget. But what it does mean is that you're not going to seek revenge. Um, you know, even when a person doesn't ask to be forgiven, we're still called to forgive. Even when a person doesn't accept your forgiveness, we've been called to forgive. This is why the kingdom teaching of Jesus is so important here. Matthew chapter 18, Peter asked this question to Jesus when he said, then Peter came to Jesus and he asked, Lord, how many times do I need to forgive my brother or sister who sins against me up to seven times? See, that number seven was like the perfect number. And I love how Jesus responds. He says, no, I tell you not seven times, but what? 77 times. And some of you are like, that is so cool because I'm on like number 76 right now. Uh, and I just, I got one more and they're dead to me. And I, and I just want you to know that it was not a literal 77. It was a play on words to say, our forgiveness needs to be like the Energizer Bunny. It just needs to keep going and going and going. Because I don't know about you, but I'm so thankful that God's forgiveness doesn't have a limit and a number for me. Amen? I'm so glad He just didn't say, Oh, that's it, number 77, and you're done. But rather, He continues to forgive 
and to forgive and to forgive. As I'm going to share the last point, I'm going to ask uh, uh, the band to make their way up for the last song. And also our folks who are going to get baptized. You can go ahead and start getting uh, ready at this time. Um, I want to say that it all bow ties up with this last word that holds it all together. And it is the word love. Everyone say love. love. One more time. Everyone say love. love. All right. Because he first loved, so we must love. You know, if we could just simply summarize everything, the whole gospel, into one word, it would be love. That God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. That is loving God. And it's not only loving God, but it's in loving others. So this is kind of the idea that I want to leave you with. The idea that I want to leave you with is simply this. We cannot give what we do not have. So, if you're struggling to wrap your head and your heart around what it means to be authentic in your faith, walk as an authentic believer and not as a counterfeit. See, counterfeits are common. Counterfeits are everywhere. But man, authentic, it's the real deal. And this is an opportunity for you and for me and for we to be able to say, God, what area of my life do, is it, do I need to be more aligned with what your, your standard is for me? That we've been called to live under the unity of Christ Jesus, to walk in unity. The only way that's going to come, friends, is this, listen closely, is going to be through a loving, saving, redeeming relationship with Jesus Christ. That you cannot give what you do not have. And so if you're struggling to forgive, if you're struggling to, to show compassion, if you're struggling to love, is it possible that you've not experienced the authentic love of God? Like in, in its fullness, in its realness, that, that greater love has no one than this, than they'd be willing to lay down their life for another. Friends, I need you to know Jesus laid his life down for you and for me. And when we accept that and when we receive that, we become new creations. The old is gone and the new has come. And that, my friend, is not called living a life of perfection. No, that is called living a life of redemption. Living a life in Christ because of what he did. It changes everything. Would you stand to your feet? I'm going to pray for you. And then we'll finish in this last song in a baptism. We'll get you out of here. So Lord God, thank you so much for today. Thank you for your love. Thank you for your word. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for all that you're wanting to do in and through our life. Thank you, Jesus, for taking on the sins of the world on the cross. Thank you for showing your love to us while we were sinners dying for us. God, thank you for showing us the way. Would you continue to allow Bethany Church to be a kind of church that has a heart to get real with you and real with others. God, that we would love you and love others, that our love for you would increase and grow. We're thankful for the new life that we're experiencing in Christ. We're thankful for the baptisms that are going to be happening next. But above all, we're thankful for Jesus. And it's in his powerful name that we pray. All God's children said amen Amen. and amen. Thanks for listening. Know that God loves you more than you can imagine. And for everything Bethany Church, check out BethanyChurchFresno.com.